0: Hey everyone, welcome back to The Ryan Nile Show. Today I'm excited to share one of my favourite conversations I've had this year and it's with a Grammy-nominated music producer from Atlanta who is now based out of LA called Jeron Ward. Jeron's credits include Outkast, Kelly Rowland, Janelle Monae, Little Dragon, Kwan, Fantagram, Killer Mike, Spree Wilson and more. This conversation is so inspirational. We caught up in LA where Jeron and I really geek out on music production and so much more. This episode is all about contribution and adding value. Gerard made me check if I'm working hard enough, contributing enough, making my mark. I hope you get as much as I got from this episode. Remember, you can watch the full episode on YouTube. That's Ryan Nile Show. Please give this podcast a review and share with someone you know. Enjoy.
1: All right, well, welcome to the show, Gerard. What's How's up, it? man? Thanks for having me in your home. Man. Absolutely, man. Appreciate
0: you coming through. Yeah, this is really nice. Really nice. Had to bring you into the vibe. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Looking at the, <laughs> the art on the wall. So, you got Thriller, Outkast. Gotta have the inspiration, man. Yeah.
1: Those are like, one, the artwork inspires me. That's some of the best artwork I've ever seen in my life, like Pink Floyd, Dark Side of the Moon, Outkast, of Eye. And, of course, you gotta have Mike laid out to the side. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's just, just classic, classic. And, it, and it always inspires me whenever I sit down at the keys. Absolutely. You know oh, you mean? play keys? Yeah, I've yeah. been playing yeah. piano since I was like eight years old. My dad put me onto it. Yeah. Yeah, he just came home with a piano one day, literally just showed up at the crib with an upright piano. My mom was like, so I guess you're playing piano now. (laughs) He was like, yeah, you know what I mean? I'm like a little boy, and I was into Power Rangers and crazy shit like that, but um, he used to sit me down in his lap and teach me scales. That's kind of like when I first started learning the basics of like piano scales. I had no clue what I was really learning, Mm. but when I got to high school, that's when it all kind of came back, because my high school had a studio in it, um, and Lo and behold, those little scales started really paying off, and I got into like trying to learn how to do music production and and all that kind of stuff, so it kind of brought itself back in a really cool way. It wasn't expecting it to be like that, but everything happens for a reason, man. For sure, man, for sure.
0: So I read that you you started out in church. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So oddly enough, man, um, I actually started playing sax, saxophone Mm -hmm. in church. Um, I had keys in my life because, like I said, my dad was teaching me a little bit by a little bit. But there was a saxophone player at my church. I can't remember his name, but he was cold, bro. Like, every time I was at church, I'm like, what is this guy doing? <laughs> and I asked my dad, and he actually in- introduced me to the, uh, to the saxophone player. And that's kind of what got me into playing sax. I played right. sax for... About four years, I played it in high school, and it got annoying, man, because you got to carry around this gigantic-ass <laughs> case, yeah. and I'm, like, in high school in Atlanta, and as soon as we got off the bus, we, like, trying to go hoop, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. like, I'm, like, the the corny, nerdy kid with the <laughs> fucking saxophone case while my homie's trying to go hoop. Right. I'm, like, let me run home right quick, let me drop this off right fast, and then I'll be back. So, that kind of, like, ended my saxophone <laughs> <laughs> career, and um, that's kind of why I got back to piano and, and right. music production more specifically, okay, you know what cool.
0: I mean? cool. So, what was it like growing up in Atlanta?
1: You know what? I'm so glad I grew up in Atlanta, man. Mm-hmm. Atlanta's a is a really unique place, but it's fast enough to get the hustle, but it's slow enough to keep like your sense of family, your sense mm-hmm. of community. Um you get to play outside as a kid, you know, you got big backyards, front yards. We rode our bikes all over the neighborhood and uh you have a real sense of community because it's it's very suburban outside of like downtown Atlanta, which now people live in downtown Atlanta, but when I was coming up nobody really lived in like downtown Atlanta. Oh, so right. I grew up on the east side, which is stone Mountain Lithonia, off of Panola Rail, east side, all my homies, they know what that's <laughs> about. Out. You know what I mean? But uh yeah, I grew up on the east side of Atlanta. Um, off of Panola Road, and uh, it was cool, man. I'm glad I got that experience. I, mm-hmm. I kind of grew up in a middle class environment where you know I got a taste of like some of the streets, you know right, what I mean. Okay. But it wasn't so raw to where like I'm out here trapping and doing all kind of crazy shit. But yeah. my homies were into that, so I got exposure to that. But my parents were so dope because they also exposed me to like the other side of the railroad tracks, where like you know. And putting me into different programs and really uh, teaching me a lot about brought in my perspective on life. Mm. So I got, like, that real middle ground of, like, the streets, but also, like, proper living and, like, education and, like, seeing things in the bigger picture, too. So that's kind of what you get growing up in Atlanta. Mm. That's yeah. really good. that's a really, cool that really place, prepares man. you it does being in a man. place like L.A. For it example. does. And Atlanta's super black. So that was the thing I had to adjust to, like, growing up in elementary school, middle school, high school, it was just a black community like oh, wow. everywhere. You know what I mean? So um as I started to travel, you start to realize that the world ain't really like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. it was a it was a it was a cool introductory experience because I got to really be confident with my blackness, be mm. confident with being a black male and understanding what that community and, and being able to relate to other brothers going through the same things that I'm going through, you know what I'm saying? So I didn't really grow up in, like, a detached environment. I grew up really close to, like, my culture. Right. So I'm, I'm, that's what you get in Atlanta, too. is like, one of the hubs for, like, successful African Americans. I was going to say that. For do, sure. Do you
0: think that's a reason why?
1: Um, You know what? I think it's, it's just part of how things have evolved in the U.S. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, like, the southern states were very um, – Very led by like the Confederates and like slavery. If you go way back, really, I tell people if you leave Atlanta and you go two hours any direction, you go back like 40, 50 years, dog. Oh, yeah, like you'll still see Confederate flags. Like it's still like that very tense. Tension of like racism and mm-hmm. it's like an undertone, but you know it's there. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I think as an evolution of you know how you know blacks migrated to the er- other areas, mm-hmm. Atlanta just kind of became very prominent. And I think the big boom of that was the music industry, mm. um, early '90s when yeah. L- face Records came through. That's where you got Outkast, you got Usher, TLC, yep. everything that they were doing, and that kind of like brought everybody to the city, so to speak. And then you right. had Freaknik. Freaknik was a shit man. Yeah. I don't know if y'all know about Freaknik. You never heard of it? I, r- I recognize the name. Uh, Man, Freak Nick was like the black mecca of like spring break parties, dog. Like, oh, okay. Yeah, like for like from like ninety two to about ninety six, when the Olympics came to Atlanta, mm. all the historical black colleges and universities from like all the south and really just all the colleges in general used to come to Atlanta. Used to shut the whole city down, dog. Like people be on the freeway twerking and like, <laughs> like for real, for real. Strip clubs blew up. Like wow. it was just it was a it was a cool vibe, but it got like. Wow, you know what I mean? Can you like, imagine if Instagram was out? Back oh then? my god, dog! If Instagram was out, it'd be viral <laughs> videos everywhere. It, it would be too much, it'd be too much, you know what I'm saying? Like Atlanta had a lot going on at that time, but it was a cool time to be in that city because that's when yeah. Atlanta was really developing, you know. So what
0: I mean? it sounds like a real hub, especially around that time, absolutely, absolutely. That was the same time you were coming up,
1: yeah, yeah. So, like the early 90s, you know, what I mean, I'm, I'm thankful I grew up in that era as well, too, because I got a taste of a lot of like. Just great icons, man. Like, I think that's one thing that, like, us 80s babies, mm. um, we were really fortunate to see, like, great individuals and in culture, music, politics, whatever it may be. Um, but specifically with Atlanta, I mean, you got to think in a, in a five year span, you had TLC. Right after that, you had Outkast. Yep. Right after that, you had, like, Usher. Yep. You had So So Def, Jermaine Dupree, Criss Cross, all that. This is all, like, within six years and it's all coming from one city you know what i'm saying so it just kind of like blew up like that and atlanta to this day is still kind of running the music game from a hip-hop culture perspective yeah Yeah, it it is is.
0: yeah yeah i mean um when i started producing around early 2000s like 99 2000s that's when trap really started to really come through yeah and i remember being on um do you remember the uh, star Trek forums uh, the yeah. ne- Neptunes, Neptune's had Yeah yeah, yeah, they, yeah. So they had an um, uh, online forum Yeah and That's where I started meeting people From okay, America tight, and stuff tight. And on there There was a guy And I remember him saying Everyone jump on this trap sound That yeah. is gonna be the predominant sound It was like Nah man Neptune's <laughs> that's, the, that's the thing like, <laughs> Neptune's Timberland That's yeah, it Yeah 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 <laughs> And then lo and behold It is what it is man 15 years deep yeah. like it's been the prominence out you know who really kicked that off man pro-
1: a lot of people overlooked the homie lex luger man yeah yeah lex luger, lex, he yeah. was like the the one who really got the ball rolling with like i say more specifically like the trap uh high hats and like the heavy weights yeah. and the snares and stuff like that i don't know what he's up to now you know what i mean yeah. but much respect to him because I, I think a lot of people overlook his contribution to the trap game cause absolutely and how, how that crossed over it. as well yeah yeah it's, yeah, it's, in, I it's remember, in everything
0: now i remember everybody looking for the the sound packs. Yeah. Lex the Luger 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 sound Luger pack, pack. Yeah, yeah the the riser sound. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, sure, yeah. for sure. That was his
1: whole little movement, man. So exactly. I think he gets overlooked a lot, man, but mm. shouts out to Leg
0: man. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Because I remember well, the last I heard he was working with like Britney Spears and stuff. That's when it yeah. was like crossing over. But then I d I didn't really hear much. I, I'm I'm
1: sure that. he's doing his thing. I mean oh, sure, his yeah. placement game was ridiculous Crazy. for like a good five year span. So yeah. Hopefully he's evolved maybe into a different sound mm. and maybe just kind of doing a low key right now, but I'm yeah. not sure. You know what
0: I mean? He was pretty young as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Early twenties, I would assume, mm. when he when he kinda of like peaked out. You That's know right, what I mean, yeah. and everybody's really pretty much taking the sound. Yeah. Yeah. Just robbed the sound.
0: Yeah, I mean that <laughs> happened when Watch the Throne came out. Yep. So he did uh I think he had a Ham. couple of jokes in that. Yeah, he yeah. did um, Ham. Yeah, yeah, he did that. Yep. Yeah. That was right that. behind
1: Hit Boy. Um, yes. Yeah. So that's when he kind of like peaked around that time for yeah, sure. Yeah, he did. Yeah. yeah. yeah It'll be interesting to see what he comes back out with. I mean, hey, yeah. holler at me, man. Let's do
0: some <laughs> shit. You know what I mean? Shout out, Lex <laughs> So going back to early 90s and Outkast mm-hmm. specifically, um, I mean, what was your favorite part about working with like Big Boy and Outkast?
1: Man, you know what? My favorite part of working with Outkast was the was how difficult it was. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like, and when I look back, cause I came in as an intern, you know what I mean? Well, let me give a little context sure. to the story. Um, so obviously I'm from Atlanta. I went to Georgia state, and uh, at Georgia State, when I first got there, I was like, I got to find a way to get plugged into whatever the hell is going on in the city of Atlanta. Because, mm-hmm. again, I'm from the, the east side, so it's more suburban. Ah. You know what I'm saying? So I come to Georgia State, and I got a job at the radio station. I literally walked in one day and was like, are y'all hiring? <laughs> and he was like, actually, we are. You know what I mean? So oh. I interviewed, and I got a job as an office manager in like a week of starting at Georgia State. So very serendipitous because um, that same job led me to meet Tamiko Hope, who is like, I tell her all the time, she's like my music angel. Like she Mm -hmm. opened up the door for me in so many different ways, but that's where I met her. She caught up to the radio station one day and was like, Hey, I'm trying to do an interview for one of my artists who was the backwoods. Shout out to uh, the homies, man. You know what I mean? Shout out to the backwoods. But um, she was trying to organize an interview for them and I made it happen. And, Georgia State Radio Station is mainly like underground independent. So they really don't do with mainstream radio. So I made it work. And she was like super grateful for it. So that's how I ended up working for Outkast. Because she ended up being the publicist over there. So this is at the time where there was Janelle Monae, um, Killer Mike, uh, Bubba Sparks. This is when they were doing Purple Ribbon. And I came in as a publicist assistant randomly. Um, So not
0: even through your music.
1: They had no clue I did music, dog. I was just there to get in how I could fit in. You know what I'm saying? And, and luckily, like I said, Tamiko ended up there. So I came in as her assistant, but my eyes were like exploding every time I was walking in the door because I'm like in Outcast's like record label, you know what I mean? Like all the plaques all over the wall. So this is super overwhelming at this point, you know what I mean? Like being from Atlanta, I always compare it to as if I was at, like, the basement in New York, you know what I mean? Like working with Jay-Z, being from New York, it's like the same parallel. Absolutely. So I'm freaking out low-key, but, like, (laughs) I'm keeping my cool, you know what I'm saying? I'm just doing what I got to do, but I just had a really strong work ethic, and I was very adamant about my details and making sure that everything that I did had a little air of distinction to it you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying like literally one of my homies his name was tory um he used to tell me about like when we changed (laughs) we had to go like take out the trash but like there's a certain way you could do it where they know that you did it you know what what i'm saying so like there's just little things like that um but i just enjoyed how difficult it was making my mark Mm -hmm. you know what i mean but i enjoyed how difficult it was because it it really built my character and it uh prepared me for everything else i had to go through in the music game that's incredible yeah man it was a wild experience
0: it just goes to show that It's all about relationships. And you don't necessarily know where one relationship is going to take you. You have
1: no clue, man. You have no clue. I didn't. I had no clue that me answering the phone that one day by chance, because I could have been anywhere else, man. Like I always look back and I always realize that everything happens for a very specific reason. You might not mm. see it. You might not realize it at the moment because you're in it, but you got to trust the process and trust that everything is happening to you for your greater good. It's not happening to hurt you. Even if it's tough or if it's difficult, you might not be able to. I was broke as fuck at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I had no clue what was going to happen, but something just told me that – I needed to help this lady out, and then it ended up opening up a door that got me nominated for a Grammy. You know what I'm saying? So it was like you never really know how that relationship is going to pan out to be to your benefit. You just got to do your best with everybody that you encounter. You know what I mean? Incredible. incredible. So how
0: did that actually evolve into uh, the musical creation? Man, hustle.
1: Hustle. Just hustle, hustle, hustle. Like, every day I would make sure – I tell people whenever they're interning, man, like, you got to check your ego at the door. Like, it cannot be about you. It's got to be about – blending in and about making your mark but you can't be focused on your ego and feeling like oh i'm too good to do x y z you just gotta do what the fuck you gotta do you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so um through through like my work ethic and making sure that every time i came in i was the first one there and i was the last one to leave every day you know or any day that i could and at the time i was still working at best buy i had like a college job i was still working at the radio station and i'm interning and i'm still in college you know what i'm saying like i still got homework and shit you know what I'm saying like tests and stuff like that so I just wanted to really make a point once I saw that I got in and I'm like okay I'm with Outkast I'm not gonna let this like I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do you know what I'm saying so um through my work ethic um my homie Rick shout out to Rick that's my brother uh Rick Walk. uh he's actually big boy's first cousin so he was like kind of peeping me out like yo this little dude over here is working Mm. so um he pulled me to the side one day and he had an opportunity from Andre 3000 to uh cast his video for Ottawa Blues. Um this was right around the time they did Ottawa, the movie. I'm not sure if yeah. everybody remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah I remember that.
0: Yeah.
1: It was a great it was like a musical, but it was outcast yeah. based. Um so uh Andre had a solo song on that particular soundtrack and it was called Ottawa Blues and he hit a Rick to cast it for him. So I became a casting director. I was like, all right, well <laughs> this is what yeah. we about to do, fuck it. I put up a a, fi- a Facebook post and we had a you know a couple of girls come through, a couple of homies and we ended up casting like six or seven people and uh, that was my first trip to la i i I I caught a ticket you know i mean they flew us all out here it was at the sony picture studio um and that was my first entrance to la so again my eyes were like boom what the hell how did i end up here um excuse me so through that me and rick Rick worked that out and um we we landed that gig linked up andre 3000 that was my second time meeting or interacting with him and then um when we flew back to atlanta Rick went straight to the studio. I got my stuff and I ended up going to the studio with him as well, too. And he was making a beat. He's a producer. Um so he's making a beat. And I just like casually jumped on the keys. And oh, remember I told you nobody right. knew I did music, dog. Yeah. So like they just know I'm just like this really, you know, detail oriented, structured, work ethic type of guy. And then I jump on the keys. He's like, Man, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, bro, you play keys? I was like, Yeah, man, I've been playing since I was like hey. He's like, What? And I do this all the time, and yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm not—I don't really like to be braggadocious. Like mm-hmm. I got a lot of stuff that I've experienced in life. I don't really talk about it. I just like to work. I like to get shit done. You know what I'm saying? So, but I kind of like threw Rick for a loop. Cause like, bro, why you ain't tell me you play keys, man? I'm like, well, now you know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So that's how I got into producing because Rick took oh. me under his wing, and uh, he was already established with Big Boy at the studio. So we just started making tracks together, and uh, we created a production company called The Flush. Um, so that was like my first uh, production entity in Atlanta. Um, so that's how I kind of got into the music game, man. Uh, again, through hustle. And again, not knowing how a, a relationship would angle me into manifesting my dreams and manifesting my goals in a way that I, I could not have foreseen. You know what I'm saying? But that's how I kind of got into the music game. And we just, we just kept grinding from there man like I started pretty much like living at the studio at that point like now I got my foot in I got a yeah. toe in oh bro I'm about to knock this door all the <laughs> way open you know what I'm saying so I was there as much as I possibly could be mind you, I'm still in school still got two jobs and still trying to have a life you know what I mean so I'm just grinding bro just trying to get in where I fit in and, um, and then lo and behold there was one day that um, big boy came downstairs and heard this track that we were working with and then the rest is kind of history that's how he picked the first track that we got placed look at that so yeah that's how it all ended up happening man. Hard so, work. <laughs> Hard, <laughs> Hard work yeah. and persistence, man. Yeah. You just can't give up, and 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 you got to put your best foot forward every time you do anything. Mm. And I didn't value, yeah. you, wherever wherever you are. Yeah, you that's know? you know that's that's a good point, man. That's, that's something mm. I definitely. Trying to make sure that I always leave whatever situation I come into it has to be better by the time I walk out the door. You know what I mean? Whatever I can contribute, whatever I can give, um, got to always uplift and, and elevate as opposed to extracting and taking things for yourself. So, I mean, you got to do what you got to do for yourself, but what can you contribute? That's what really you know, enhances your value. Mm-hmm. Maybe people be like, you know, I want to I work with this guy because he's going
0: to bring something to the table. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's really good lessons in there. Yeah, yeah. uh, people listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> Stay persistent. Keep... Keep up the hard work. Keep grinding, man. You keep contributing never as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So, big boys in the studio. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling? Like, what's the creative process like for you at that point?
1: So, at that point, man, I'm still very, like... You know, it's very similar to when Kanye was on that track where he's talking about um, how he was in the studio and he had, like, Benny Siegel walking by yeah. and, like, all these different people from Rockefeller was walking through the studio. That's kind of how I felt being in mm. Stankonia. Like, I'm there and then, you know, Big Boy walks by and then, like, Backbone walks by and then, like, Killer Mike walks by and then, like, Kujo Goody walks by and, like, you know, all these people I've been watching on TV yeah. coming up and listening to this music since I was in high school. These people are, like, walking around, like, they're just popping their head in and see what's going on. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So the cool thing about producing for Outcasts is that they are a very multi-versatile type of group. They don't do one thing. Like, so we were in there. I made country tracks. I made rock tracks. I made reggae tracks. Mm. I made anything that we could think of. We just started, like doing it, you know yeah. what I'm saying, and like, just throwing paint on the wall to see what was stuck, you know what I'm saying, so that's kind of the process mm. in St. Goni, it's very much like cooking gumbo, you know what I mean, like, I got the rice, my homie got the sausage, he got the, the sauce, you know right. what I mean, and everybody just put it in the same pot, and whatever we come up with, is, it's a home-cooked meal at the end of the day, <laughs> you know what I mean, so that's kind of how outcast worked, and that's kind of the vibe at that time, Um we were just really just doing what we could to get noticed, and then, mm. um, and then we got noticed. That's incredible, yeah, that's incredible man. <laughs> So what did it feel like to be nominated for a Grammy? Uh, another mind-blowing experience. Mm. Yeah, I was in college at Georgia State in art history class when I found out.
0: Well, oh, you are still in college? Well,
1: yeah, I was still in college. I, I was in art history class when the song got released. Mm. And I'm like sitting in class and then boom, my phone starts like tripping. I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> and that's actually when I decided that I'm going to leave college. <laughs> I was like, I got too much going on outside of here. And I'm like, I'm putting so much time into school. And, and not to knock school for anybody, like, it definitely opened me up to a lot of doors and relationships that I'm, I'm super thankful for. But I already knew what I wanted to do, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I already knew where I wanted to go, and I, I was very fortunate to realize that at a very early age. Um, so I was already, like, as soon as I felt it or I saw that little angle, that door open, I'm like, cool, that's where I'm going because I want to maximize on that as much as possible. Sure. Um, so, you know, the record came out, and then... um we it was on the radio for a little while and then it just started blowing up the internet was still still popping. So it started, you know, infiltrating the internet. And then um in February after it got released, didn't really think much about it after it came out, other than us trying to promote the record and do yeah. what we can to, to get it out there. And then um I was coming home from Bible study with my dad. My dad is a deacon in Atlanta. So oh, okay. very Bible belt southern Christian, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. So um I'm coming home from Bible study and my boy Rick calls me. I just walked in the house, like, bro, what you doing? I'm like, man, I just got home from Bible study. He's like, man, nigga, what you doing? I was like, I just got home from Bible study. With was like, what's cracking? Like, I'm like smiling. Like, what, what you what you talking about? Like, man, nigga, dog. Like, we just got nominated for a motherfucking Grammy and hung up the phone. I'm like, what? I'm like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm like, I'm literally like, I'm, I must be tripping. So like, I tried to call him back. He didn't answer the phone. So I like go on Google. I'm like, this can't be real. So yeah. I went and typed in the song was called Royal Flush. So I went home, and I typed it in on Google, and lo and behold, like LA, LL Cool J had just announced the uh, Grammy nominations for that year, and our and the song was on the list. Wow. So at that point, I was just like, I, I literally like fell to my knees, and like my dad was like, what happened? I'm like, I just got nominated for a Grammy. And he was like, really? I was like, yeah, man. Like, look, look, he's right here. You know what I'm saying? So I'm on cloud nine at that point. I jumped in my car, drove down to the studio real quick, and we all started popping bottles in Hennessy. Like, <laughs> Big Boy was there, and we was all just like celebrating. You know what I'm saying? So... But that was like the the precursor, you know what I'm saying? Like that's when we found out. But everything that happened after that was just like a complete mind it was just like going from zero to like a thousand super quick. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like we were producers in the studio doing our thing and then the next day we got nominated for a Grammy. So now yeah. like everybody knows and like what do we do now? You know what I mean? Like you, you, you work so hard to get to this point and then it happens. What do you do when it actually happens? Yes, it's not exactly. like it's not a joke no more, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So, um, Going back, I wish I would have been a little bit more prepared, but you can't prepare, really, for something like that. You kind of mm-hmm. just got to, like, hope you catch the pass, you know what I'm saying, Like and just make the touchdown, you know what I mean? So at that point, then we just really started trying to, like, get our network game on, and that's how I got to meet so many really cool people in the industry, was through Outcast and through that opportunity. So um, to this day, it still kind of feels surreal. And then I got to go to the Grammys, yeah, which is a whole another mind-blowing <laughs> situation, you know what I mean? Like, walking on the red carpet and seeing, like, Jennifer Lopez and like seeing like Puffy and like all these people that you know you idolize and mm. you see on TV all the time. We go to the Grammys, but then you actually show up and, and it's a real life situation. It's not it's not a joke. It's not yeah, you're not game. looking
0: at, looking at it through a screen. Yeah,
1: I'm watching it happen. You know yeah. what I mean? I remember pulling up in the SUV and uh, jumping out on the red carpet and seeing all these cameras and like, I had my little shades on because I was shy as hell at the time I didn't know what to do. (laughs) Um, But I had my like shades on so I'm like looking around like, wow, this is crazy, man. Ryan Seacrest is right here. Yeah, You know what I mean? Introducing everybody as we walking in. We doing like interviews with Big Boy and, it's just like wow, you know what I mean? It's a super proud moment. It was like it was like you know when you was in like school and like you had like the award ceremony. It felt like that. It mm-hmm. felt like you were amongst your peers, but you're being recognized for a contribution that you made to the game. So it was, uh, it was, it was insane man I can't wow. wait to go back I feel like it was a preview though I feel like it was a, sure. it was a reason why I went that early um, to be exposed to it to learn
0: it so the next time I go back it would be a whole mm. different ball game you know what I mean definitely was that also your second time in LA or did you come back before then
1: that might have been like my third time at that point yeah I was coming back and forth to LA pretty frequently um, which is why I ended up moving here um, my first time when I came out here with Dre yeah. I, I mean that's like the best way to come out here you know yeah. what I mean like you come out here with your favorite rapper of all time it was beautiful out here. I'm mm-hmm. like, where am I at right now? Right? Like, <laughs> this is where I need to be. You know what I'm saying? So that was probably like my third or fourth time. Um, but luckily, I-, I was back and forth to L.A. pretty frequently because uh, the guy who ended up managing us on-, on the music side, Chris London. What up, Chris? Um, he was managing us at the time. But I wanted to have a manager that was based in L.A. right? Um, because Atlanta is still a big, small city. You can only get so much done to a certain extent. There's a lot of opportunities and you can do a whole lot there. But for me and my particular path, I knew I needed to be Um, Accessible to like LA And accessible to like New York yeah. um, To have a a broader reach You know what I mean I don't want to just be Kicking it with all my homies in Atlanta And sharing my music with my homies Like they already know We do cool shit You know what I mean Like I need people who don't know To know You know what I'm saying So I I was in LA pretty frequently At that point
0: Cool Cool That's really cool Mm -hmm. I read that uh, You and uh, Your production partner Mm -hmm. uh, Said that you were Competing With Barry White And Quincy Jones In terms Mm -hmm. of like sound um, in your mind in yep. the creative process yeah. um, so that if they well if Quincy hears the music yeah. you know it's like oh what's that man please Quincy how yeah, that's yeah. Your boy, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm right here in West Hollywood dog
1: <laughs> you know what I'm saying pull up on me I'll pull up on you Quincy is, is literally uh, my definition of the quintessential producer absolutely you know what I mean like a lot of people don't even know how much this guy has done and has contributed know. to the culture beyond just music you know mm-hmm. what I mean like he literally discovered Oprah Winfrey bro yep like and that's just one of the things that he did. Let alone Will Smith and mm-hmm. Fresh Prince and working with Ray Charles. If you go, if you look through his whole entire history, he is a definition of of what I would aspire to be. You know what I mean? He produced Thriller at what yeah. fifty something, yeah, fifty dollars. You know what I mean? And that was after, and they, and they
0: and they wrote him off at that point.
1: What's that? They wrote him off. They said, like, yeah, yeah, it was like, oh, he's just you, a jazz guy. Like, you're a he's jazz not guy. Why are you doing this. pop?
0: You're a sellout. Yeah,
1: and Mike was like, no, nah, this guy is the truth. You know what I'm saying? And then they made the biggest record of all time. Yeah. Like, there's nothing bigger ever possible than thriller is not ever going to happen you know not. what i mean so um <laughs> that's why i think you know i mean I'm, whenever i make something whenever i'm creating something especially on the musical side i'm always trying to see if i can measure up to the greats you mm-hmm. know what i mean like um i think that's one thing that i learned with outcast and learned being amongst great artists like them is that you got to shoot for the stars when it comes to, like your craft you know what i mean like there's no point to try to be cool for the moment like i want to be here for life you exactly. know what i mean i want my shit to and my contribution to be here when I'm gone. So my Mm -hmm. kids have something to be proud of. And, and even beyond that, so that the culture has something to embrace and something to elevate and something to use to inspire whoever else is going to come behind us. You know what I mean? You always got to pay it forward, but also do something that, you know, you can be proud of and something that, again, that'll stand the test of time. Mm. So again, when I look at Quincy, look at the longevity of his career, everything that he's done and how all his music is literally timeless. Like, there are babies who are just born now who know Michael Jackson songs, off the yeah. Thriller," and I don't know how. Like <clears throat> it's just like part of life, you know yeah. what I mean? Like it's such it's such a ubiquitous uh, energy into the contribution of the culture that it, it's it's irreplaceable, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So in terms of aspirations, definitely. And for Barry White, a lot of people sleep on Barry White. Uh, he was a amazing uh, uh, orchestral arranger. Mm. Um, a lot of people don't know that, but if you look on YouTube or just the internet in general, there are pieces that he has where he just arranged like string sections. Really? It's like an orchestra, yeah. A lot of people don't know that, man. The talent he,
0: back then was nuts.
1: Yeah, they were, because they were all being steel sharpening steel. It yeah. was like... Quincy Jones is teaching Ray Charles. Like, mm. yeah, that shit's going to be amazing. You know what I mean? Like, because they're both super serious about their craft. And I think that's something that has evolved into something different these days where um, with the access to technology, things are just a lot quicker and people aren't really um, as invested into taking the time to really develop um, and and build a serious craft. You know what I mean? But these guys, again, Barry White, he didn't even know how to read music, but he was writing amazing orchestral, like 16-piece instrumental uh, arrangement, you know yeah. what I mean? And that's all just off of ear. That's God-level talent to me, you know what I mean? So it's like, those are the people that I always, whenever I go and I'm, I'm trying to find inspiration, of course I listen to everything that's out today. Mm. You gotta know what's going on and also pull from that, but the core has gotta be something that's real, you know what I mean? It's gotta be something that's that's true. It can't be no Fugazi bullshit. Mm. It's gotta be something that you really love, something that you really uh, attach yourself to, and something that you really aspire to to create, you know what I mean? So that's why those two are are, are usually like my quintessential uh, sources of inspiration when it comes to, like, production or, or creating anything in like, a musical landscape.
0: Absolutely. It's quite similar to how you even approached being an intern. Yeah. About leaving your mark and, you yeah. know, doing things a bit differently. Yeah, and yeah. And contributing. Yeah, and being an intern, man,
1: like, again, that's, that's like, the bottom of the bottom. But I used to study Puffy. Mm. Um, I used yeah. to study Puffy a lot um, when I was in that phase. And he came in as an intern. So I'm like, all right, cool. And I, and I understood why he did that because – I always want to learn from the bottom up. You know what I mean? Like, if I can make it as an intern... And then evolve into a CEO. I know every fucking step of the process. You can't. You can't tell me as an intern that you can't do it because I I've did done it. Exactly. I've done it, and I see how it's done, and I've I've been there to go through those same hurdles, so I can also relate on any level. Um, which I, I again, I come back now, and I, and I appreciate that phase in my life um, because now again, I can I can hire an intern and know exactly what they're going through. I can hire a publicist and know exactly what that person is going through. I can work with a music producer. And I could talk that language because yeah. I. Live literally have done every single step, you know what I mean? On the totem pole, so to speak. So, um, a lot of people turn away from interns, man, but I, I say, go for it. If that's the way you get in, I sure. uh, appreciate the opportunity to learn as much as you possibly can.
0: Mm. Yeah, you do. You, you just learn so much Yeah, and man. add so much. Yeah. And especially in an
1: environment like that. It's like, there's something to learn every second. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Exactly. And the relationships you can build Yeah, as well. Absolutely. man. Definitely. Yeah. So moving to LA now, mm-hmm. um, you you was working with Adidas, as a yeah yeah. Director, so still, man. man, my life is so weird, it's so crazy, dog. But it makes sense. <laughs> it makes sense though, because you, what you've done so far, you've yeah. added value in so many different areas. Yeah. So it would make sense that you could do that. It's, it seems like so far in your career, you've always had that parallel. Yeah yeah, yeah. In education, working a job, being mm-hmm. an intern and stuff. Multiple so, hustles, man. Yeah exactly. Multiple so you you've kept that.
1: Yeah yeah, and Adidas was. Um, a unique opportunity. Um, I kind of stumbled upon it. I was living in New York and I knew I wanted to move to L.A. So I'm like, whatever I got to do to get to L.A. Right. So I started looking for different opportunities, and I saw that there was an opening for a store manager role right over here on Melrose for Adidas. So I looked it up. I'm like, okay, Melrose sounds cool. You know what I mean? Like, being in Atlanta, you hear about all the Melrose TV shows. It's yeah, yeah, do. It exactly, has this whole, yeah. like, glam kind of vibe to it. I'm like, that that kind of fits with me. You know what I'm saying? So I started researching, got on my grind, got in contact with a couple of recruiters, and uh, ended up getting a gig. And uh, the cool thing about... Working with Adidas at that time was that it was such a explosive moment for Adidas in general, right? When I got with the brand was when my first day was the first day of the Yeezy Turtle Dove three hundred and fifty. So oh wow! It was the beginning of the Yeezy movement. Movement, you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? So it was like that was literally my first day, and I remember we didn't even sell out of the shoes. And I I, I say that's coincidental now because that same shoe goes for like fifteen hundred bucks on resale, you know what I mean? But at the moment, that's how. Uh, how fluid things were at the time. You can kind of do whatever work because they were learning and they were evolving in the process. So me, I come in and yeah, I got my whole background in business, but I also got this whole other skill set that they didn't really know about. You know what I mean? As far as like, I did work with outcast. I do kind of know a lot of people in the industry and I'm really well connected on that side. So I got to the store, did my job for a little while. started looking around and like, you know what? I could turn this motherfucker up. Right. I'm like, I could do some cool shit. You know what I'm saying? And I had a really amazing staff. Shout out to my boy, AK. Uh, shout out to my whole team that was there. Um, it was definitely a complete team effort. I definitely took the lead, but we did it all together. Mm. Um, and, and again, shout out to AK. He's actually my business partner now in Duh. the production company that we have now. Um, I'm, I'm sure we'll get to that later. Yeah. But um, So I linked up with AK. And uh, I remember my first day meeting him. He was like, this is the store manager? He like, this motherfucker here? I was like, yeah, bro. I was like, what you do? He's like, man, he started telling me his whole background. He's super connected in the music game and used to play, you know, professional sports. And he was like a top 10 quarterback, probably higher than that. He'll he'll definitely let me know if he was higher than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but he was a quarterback in high school, one of the you know, top top tier. Um, so tons of connections that way. And then everybody at my store was just like really dialed in with the pulse of, of the L.A. culture, mm-hmm. but nobody tapped into it. You know what I'm saying? So when I got there, I started hearing what all these people do, how everybody was real creative, how everybody had this underlying passion to just make an impact culturally. So I tapped into that, you know what I mean? And the results were, like, phenomenal, you know what I mean? Like, we had you know astronomical success. Um, our My first three years there, my first two years there, we won – two, three awards for having, like, the highest increase over our target for the first year. We beat our target by, like, $1.4 million. Wow. The next year, right after that, we beat our target by, like, $2.4 million. So we was going Because to of end. the vibe. W- it was because of the vibe. And then um, we were just bringing everything <clears throat> to the table. You know what right. I mean? Like, I was bringing all my resources, all my connections. We started doing a bunch of different events at the store. Um, we we did. Um, the first event was a Super Shell event for Pharrell. Um, it was a shoot that he came out with. And um, the brand was kind of sleeping on the shoe. But me and AK was like, yo, let's do an art event uh, surrounded by the concept of the shoe because the shoe had like different artists from all over the world painted okay. some stuff on like the shell toe of like the superstar. So we went out ah, to the yeah, community. I've seen them. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if you've seen that. So we went out to the community. I hit up my boy Chris. Hit up AK. And then we just started tapping into everybody around here. We started walking down the street. We went to 7th Letter Gallery over here. We knocked on their door. Got cool with them. They contributed some art pieces. Shout out to my boy Mizzle, Gavin. Um, he actually came in and curated it for us. Um, he brought some art pieces. We went down to another gallery on Melrose. They brought some art pieces. We hit up a couple more homies. We ended up having like 30 pieces of art mm-hmm. um, that people just like, yo, just put my shit on. You know yeah, what I mean? Just yeah. put it out there. And uh, it ended up blowing up. We killed our budget for that day. We did like 20000 on like a seven thousand dollar day. Um so the brand saw that they was like, okay, so y'all know what y'all doing. (laughs) You know what I mean? I was like, yeah, we do. And I got like ten more. You know Uh what I mean? I already had was sitting down with my team like, look This is what we're going to do. I I need a list of 10 dope-ass home-run events that Mm. nobody can say no to. So we already had that cooked up. We already had that going. So by the time we did the first one, we was already like, oh, so we got like six more already ready to go. You know what I mean? So we proved our worth with that one. And then we went back to the brand and and got the reinvestment and kind of like the cosign from everything that we had done um, with that. And then that just opened up the door for us to do a bunch of stuff, and now we've done, we did almost like six or seven different events and really brought the city into the store. Yeah. And I think that's what really contributed to the success. It wasn't just the the events, it was a mixture of the events, the vibe, the people, the staff, and then um, our our willingness to open our doors up to the culture and to the community. That's where brands make a lot of mistakes. They want to extract from the culture. They want to take a lot of shit from the culture. They want to get all of our jewels, all of our insight, all of our wisdom. They They call it, I want to, Pick your brain. Yeah, yeah. That's like I said <laughs> that in quotation marks, pick your brain. <laughs> yeah. That's like slang for just tell me everything you know so I can go back and do it on my own. Mm. Um well that's corporate slang for that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like and that's cool. It's part of the game. You know what I mean? But as long as what we're doing is going to also elevate the culture, we can barter on that. You know what I mean? I'll, I'll give you a couple of jewels, but as long as you open up some doors for the homies, yeah. and we can do some cool stuff for the culture, that's 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 a fair exchange in Absolutely. my opinion. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think that whole kind of like mixture is what contributed to the success at the store. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It was an amazing got, time, man.
0: The thread I'm hearing from your whole story is contribution. Absolutely,
1: man. Like that's that's something my mom and my dad – instilled to in me. You know what I mean? Even go back to like my grandparents. I had amazing grandparents. I had I just got an amazing family in general. Mm, um yeah, they they're just very uh very centered and my mom is an entrepreneur. So I got a lot of that inspiration from her. Um so yeah, just man, I always want to make sure that anything I, I step into, whether it's people, business, situations, no matter, I always try to enrich. Excuse me. And I always yeah. try to provide. You know what I mean? I always try to contribute. You gotta make sure that you leave it up. We should all be aiming to make the world a better place by the time we clock out. You know For what I mean? Sure. Like, something should be better. You, it's kind of whack to be here and nothing changes. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, make some type of imprint, let your fingerprint be left on, on the world in some place. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Leave it better than when you found it. Hopefully. I mean, hopefully that's what everybody wants to do. You <laughs> exactly. Know what I, mean? yeah. I know everybody
1: doesn't, but hopefully in them somewhere, at some point they evolve to a place where that becomes their, their inspiration is what can I do to make this world a better place for the people going? Cause the world's not going to stop. You know mm. what I mean? The world's been here for billions of years it probably will continue to be here for billions of years, hopefully. Yeah. But you know what I mean? What are we doing to make sure that it's a better place for those who are coming behind us? Cause if we all have kids, they don't have to deal with it. So why not make it a little bit easier, a little bit better, or just a little bit more positive for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? At least, at least that, you know what I'm saying?
0: Definitely. So definitely. That's brilliant, man. Brilliant. Yeah. So just some questions um, about production. Mm-hmm. Um, you once said as a producer, your job is to create the platform mm-hmm. uh, for the artists to elevate themselves. Yeah. You really got to be even more ahead of the curve than the artist. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, um, tell me what that conversation is like with an artist when when they come in. Um, I mean, I've I've had to have that mm-hmm. same conversation where it's yeah. almost like, firstly, you're meeting someone maybe yeah. for the first time, and mm-hmm. then you're pitching them your idea of yeah. what they should do and what they <laughs> should sound like. Obviously, and they're coming in with their own uh, thoughts on what kind of sound they want. Mm-hmm. What what's that been like? For you
1: I think for me, as a when I when I when it comes to like the production side of my creativity, because I've learned that my creativity is is is, uh, is very uh, it morphs, like it goes and sometimes it's, it's expressed through business, yeah. Sometimes it's expressed through creating ideas, and sometimes it's expressed through music. You know what I'm saying? So when it comes to music, I think my goal in that conversation for me is really trying to learn the artist first like learn who they are as a person and I think the biggest thing as a producer is that you gotta know what that artist is trying to say and not just verbally but what are they trying what's, to, their, message? what's their message you know what I mean like what are they trying to say as an artist? What is their, what is their voice like? You know what I mean? And, and again, I'm not saying like literally, I mean more like figuratively, like what do you want to speak for as an artist? What do you, what do you stand for? And once you can really tap into that, I think it helps you to be able to articulate that expression musically a little bit more clear. Hmm. So I like to spend a lot of time, like getting to know people, like we'll go kick it. We'll just talk for a while. And then I, I like to pick their brain and see like what they're listening to, what, where they're at right now, but where I try to always stay ahead of the curve. And that's what I learned from Ray Murray of Noise, shout out to Ray Murray, uh, one of my biggest mentors when it comes to production. Mm-hmm. He, I, I literally have a video here, and I need to put this shit out because I was watching it with my homegirl Sin Kay, who's another dope artist. But I got an interview that I did with Ray Murray about six or seven years ago when I went to his crib, and he just started telling me everything he could tell me. I just asked him all these questions about oh, how really? did they start Outkast? Like, what did you, what was y'all doing when y'all was just on the ground? Like when y'all yeah. was sleeping on the floor? Like, what was that like? And he would tell me like these amazing stories, but. His main advice was never live in the present, never focus on the past, always be in the future, especially when it comes to music. Because if you're not in the future, by the time the music comes out, it'll be dated. Because, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but you don't just make a song. Well, today you probably could. But in terms of like execution and rollout, there's usually like a six month buffer between the day that you finish the song and the day that it actually comes out, especially when you're doing like major labels. It could be a year. Two years. You know what I mean? Like when we did Royal Flush, we recorded that song. It took two years for that song to come out. Literally, from the day that we started it to the day that it actually made it out to the public, it's two years. But it still sounded fresh and it still sounded like relevant because that's why you gotta be in the future Mm -hmm. when it comes to a musician or or a producer that's doing something creative, Um, especially like music because it moves and, and it flows so quickly. Like it evolves within five years it's a completely different ball game like cities don't even exist no more i remember them shits came out yeah you know what i mean like them shits don't even exist no more wow. you know what i mean so it's like things change so quickly so um i think the the goal is try to 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 have foresight to know where our things headed as opposed to where our things now like, what's what are people kind of going to be into, like, next month? What are people going to be into in six months? You know what I mean? And, and to do that, you got to be very aware of what is current. You got to study. You got to be very aware of what the past, because a lot of things happens in cycles. Yes. Especially generationally, like, from decade to decade. That's why now we're in the 90s. Exactly. Even another 10 years. They're yep. going to be in the 2000s. 100%. They did that in the 80s. It was in the, the 60s or whatever it may be. Like, it, it all happens in cycles. Mm-hmm. But you got to be aware enough to peep that. And then at the same time, you got to be aware enough to know that it's going to happen again. The yeah. cycle's going to flip over at some point in time, and you don't want to be on the opposite side of that. You want to yeah. be on where the where the curve is flipping towards. You know what I'm saying? So I think that conversation is more so like at least having that conversation with somebody. I think that's where it begins. Like, mm, look, mm. we don't want to make some shit that's cool right now. You know what I mean? Like, there's records that will be like that, but. Again, if you're trying to go Quincy level, you right, know what I mean? Exactly. <laughs> like, if you're trying to go Aquimonide level, you're trying to go, you know, Dark Side of the Moon level, yeah. then, you know, Dark Side of the Moon was made in, what, the 70s? 70s? Yeah,
0: I think 78. Bro, I
1: put that album on now and still be spaced out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this is years later. Same thing. same thing. You know what I'm saying? So, but it, I think that boils down to, again... What are you trying to make a mark as as an artist? Do you want to be now? Do you want to be forever? Or do you want to be last month? Like, some people are cool with doing shit that's just right now. Yeah. And you can't rob them of that. You know what I mean? I don't try to make anybody be something that they're not. Mm. If that's who you are, bro, that's cool. It that might not work for me. You know what I mean? it might not speak to me personally, but that's you. You know what I mean? Everybody has the right to be who they are. And it's not my job to change anybody. I can enhance or contribute. But I'm not here to make you be me or make mm. you think like me. I- I- I'll share You know what I mean? I'll give you some of my insight and we can have a dope conversation. But if you walk off and you want to go walk, take a left and I want to take a right, that's cool. Like I'm still gonna go right. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's up to you. We all have our own walks in life. So I think as a produ- producer, you don't really want to change the artist. You don't really want to like take away from who they are. You just want to find their voice, find what their message is, and help elevate that and give them some futuristic insight. How can how, how can I help speed you up? How can I throw some curveballs and add some chord progressions that people might not be normally using right now? Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's kind of how you get to that
0: mission. You know mm, what I mean? Definitely, yeah. definitely. That's good. So talking about contribution. So your music's been sampled by J. Cole and yeah, James it was, Blake. Yeah. What, what did that feel like?
1: <laughs> Yo, that was that was that was wild, man. I remember um just the Royal Flush experience as a whole, uh was mind blowing. i pe- I'm I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who don't even know that J. Cole jumped on one of my records. Yeah. Or that like like <laughs> 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 I got so much stuff, man, that I have so many experiences that it's hard to like talk about it all because I start feeling like I'm talking about myself, and that gets yeah, weird yeah. for me.
0: Yeah, like you said, you're not shit.
1: Yeah, I just, I'm just not into that shit, man. I just like, I'm again, I'm always in the future. So, what happened last month is kind of almost irrelevant to me at this sure. point. Like, it's there and it happened, but I'm already on the next, you know what I mean? But, um, I remember when, when J. Cole jumped on it, and I'm just like listening to his freestyle. And I'm just like, wow, this is unbelievable. Like one of my another one of my favorite artists has yeah. it's just crazy how that song found its way. You know what I mean? Like we never did a proper video for it, which mm. was due to politics and label stuff that was a whole another. We can have a whole conversation About that <laughs> Yeah I so, know. I know. But um, yeah. that whole experience You know Getting caught up in the politics And not really being able To see the song Do what I felt like It could potentially do Especially which is coming from
0: a, Like a brand And business Yeah like, Visionary standpoint Yeah I, I see the imagine. song
1: And I see the po- possibilities Exactly You know what yeah. I mean so yeah. that's, And that's very heartbreaking man Like I, I can't even front That was a yeah. traumatic experience It yeah, was one man. of many Traumatic experiences When it comes to, yeah. to Like the music game You know what I mean But like um, But it still found its way You know what mm-hmm. I mean Like J. Cole found it I bump into people now like, um, like Cipher sounds and my girl put me on too. Um, I was telling him about the record. and He was like, "Yo, that's like one of my favorite joints. You did that?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, no. Like for real, for real. Like you really did that?" I was like, "Yeah. You can go check the credits if you need <laughs> to, man. Like it's there, dog. You know yeah. what I'm saying?" So um, it's just incredible how you know good music will find its way. It'll, it'll, and um, one of the best examples of that today, I think, is uh, is Redbone by Charles Gambino.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He never promoted that song a day, but it got not it won a Grammy. And it's one of my favorite songs ever. You Absolutely. Know what I mean? so I think yeah. good music will find its way. And um, I think you just—that's why you gotta aim for it for that Quincy level, man. You gotta put the best foot forward um, every single time. But um, and I remember when James Blake uh, picked up uh, one of the records and was like, "It's just unbelievable, man!" Like it's because I never gave it to him. I don't. I don't know how he found it. You know what I mean? And, and then it, it was never really promoted, and it didn't really have a video. And it, I, I don't know how this is happening, man. Yeah. It's just like. It just is what it is. You know what I mean? That's why you got to have faith and be grateful for the things that come your way.
0: Definitely. And I think it also goes to show how highly regarded Outkast are. Absolutely, man. there' bruh. Yeah.
1: I think we're all still secretly waiting for Outkast album, man. Come on, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're all like we all still have hope somewhere in our hearts that they'll do one more album, man, cuz I feel like they would, they are still the biggest hip hop group ever in my opinion, obviously. Um but even statistically like they've, they've they they done things I think they actually might uh, be. Yeah. I think they literally are the yeah, biggest yeah. uh hip hop group. Went all diamond, time. Like nobody. There's only what like five hip hop artists in life, five or six that have ever done that, mm. and only one hip hop group, which is Outkast. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, and that album was incredible. Oh my god, Love Below Speaker Box,
0: man. <laughs> Musically, yeah, it's rough. just
1: insane. I, I've had conversations, you know, with the the people who are behind the scenes working on that project, um, and just how it all came together. It was like a perfect storm. It's it something that you can't duplicate. It was like lightning in a bottle, mm. um, where Dre was kind of off on his own. Exploring through all these different sounds and he recorded a lot of this stuff in secret. Like he didn't like a lot of people didn't really know what he was working on. Um, I don't want to give out too many of his like sure. personal, you know, insight. Um, but he was kind of protective from what I heard of of what he was working on because it was very ex- experimental for him at the time. Again, you know, you're talking about a rapper who's singing and playing guitar. Yeah. You know, exactly. At the time, nobody was really doing that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like no, I still not. feel like the Love Below opened the door for the Kanye's for all these, you know, singing slash rapping on that scale. Obviously, yes. it had been done in other ways, but he took it in a very artistic slant. And that's where you got the love uh, the love lockdowns and the 808 heartbreaks. Exactly. And all Which stuff. from there, you got Drake. What you got Drake. Yeah. You know, a lot of that was inspired by 3000, which exactly. to this day, somebody is still trying to get a 3000 verse and they would probably pay whatever they can to get a 3000 verse. Of you know course. what I'm saying? But at the time, I think he was he was very protective of what he was working on and I I, I, I relate to that a lot. I'm very mm. protective of what I'm creating as well too. Um,
0: Especially so, while you're creating. Yeah. Because you don't want too many influences. You want to just be in that space and yeah. then here's what I, here's what i created yeah
1: especially yeah. when you're in the future yeah, making shit that ain't been done yet like, <laughs> you don't need anybody peeping at because people be robbing ideas out here man they be out here scamming on ideas bro mm-hmm. all y'all who do that y'all suck man <laughs> it's I true mean, y'all need
0: get get your own creativity man yeah. stop stealing other people's ideas you know what i mean have you had it that you're you've made a prediction on a trend or something like that you've created something that's doesn't fit in with anything now and you you've got a few opinions back on it mm-hmm. and it's like yeah that's mm-hmm. not gonna work and then six months later a year later they either hear it or they hear something similar yeah and like, yeah that's dope
1: yeah yeah definitely musically i think that happens more so for me recently in business and in like the events and because you know with the event like By the time the public hears about it, it's been planned for like a month and a half, two months. And you got to be really confident in the idea and the concept before it comes out to know that, or to think that it's going to work, even when other people don't. You know what I'm saying? So I think for me, that shows up very, very clearly in like, you know, business ideas and business moves and events and kind of creating on that side. Because you definitely got to be able to, to trust your gut. Because you just never know. Some things work and some things don't. Mm. But you got to have enough faith to bet on yourself. That's That's been like my motto this year. I'm always going to bet on me. You know what I mean? Because like, I know I can do it. And even if I what some people would call fail it's never a failure if I can get up and figure the shit out you know what I mean yeah. like until I die it's not a failure you know what I mean so it's like I'm always gonna keep it pushing I'm always gonna keep it moving and uh, you know you gotta take everything in stride man so absolutely
0: yeah. I mean, that's the way man that's the way so uh, we were speaking earlier and you said that your your new venture is a uh, Art curation space, so it's a little bit it? of everything, man. Yeah. So
1: the new the new venture is called CNC Creative Noise Cartel, which is a creative production agency. And the reason why mm. we decided to go with a creative production agency is because we wanted to be literally a creative production house. So right. whether that creativity again to me creativity is not singular it's very uh multifaceted so that could be art curation that could be events that could be music that could be business and the bigger long term goal where we want to end up as is i see us growing into like a warner brothers you know what i mean where it's like we produce one there's a warner brothers records there's a warner brothers films there's a warner brothers almost every division and they make billions of dollars a year i'm planning to make billions of dollars a year bro like people say that now but let's see you know give me about 5 years or so yeah uh, that's the aspiration you know what I mm-hmm. mean so I, I always think enormously huge like i don't i don't ever aim for an easy target i'll try to aim for the hardest target to hit possible yeah. and then sharpen my skills on that on that road um so right now we're going to be focused primarily on producing events so we actually got one coming up uh next week i'll set the date just in case it comes out later but it's march uh, may 6 Um, We're doing a listening event for RCA with one of the artists uh, by the name of Safe. Um, It's going to be downtown at the Reserve, so we're working on that now. And then uh, we got a couple other projects. I'm going to not speak on those just yet because I I believe in um, kind of protecting your ideas and protecting what you're working on. Um, But we got some other stuff in the the kitchen. Um, Another thing that we're working on is developing that space uh, with Retina. Don't want to go into too much detail with that either because it's still very brand new. Mm -hmm. But um, we we just want to really be able to connect all the dots through creativity and community and do something that's accelerating the culture and something that you have creators that are contributing to the culture and not just like brands. You know what I mean? Like we want brands to come work with us. We, yeah. want to come, we want them to come work with us so they can do things in an authentic manner for the culture and for the community. You know what I mean? Cause a lot of these brands have sales targets and they see money. Mm-hmm. When they look at our culture, we see the culture mm-hmm. um, and we can help monetize that for you brands as I'm, as I'm speaking, <laughs> we can help monetize that for you, but we're going to do it the right way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We're not going to let you come in here and be a culture vulture to these people who this is a real life thing. You know what I mean? This isn't, a a money making venture for these homies that are out here busting their ass for you know the last whatever years to develop their craft. Mm. So there's protecting the culture, there's accelerating the culture and, and ultimately it's elevating the culture. Um that's what CNC is about and that's what we're here to do and to make sure that again everything is done in a authentic and tasteful way. Um but it also just do some dope shit that, you know I mean that, that has a certain edge to it. Um but it's also very authentic and very enriched behind that contribution factor. You know? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like, what are we contributing as a, as a brand and <laughs> as a production company, as a production agency? So, um, And then lastly, we want to help represent other creators as well too. So um, whether you're an artist, musician, singer, whatever it may be, graphic designer, videographer, if you are a creative, you can come to us and we'll help you find opportunities. We'll help you find a way to get to your point B c d e f g whatever name that might be but we want to help guy we want to help uplift we want to help contribute to other creatives because we've i've been in their same shoes I, i'm still a creative you know what i mean i'm still out here trying to get my dreams and my goals and my ideas out as well too so let us help you you know what i mean let us help help you build let us help you grow let us help you get some opportunities and you know we got your back ain't nobody gonna fuck with us because we ain't gonna let nobody fuck with you you know what i mean so like that's kind of what we do
0: at cnc Love that. Love that. And like you said, it's a fair exchange. Yeah. That's that's what it's about. Where can people find find you on that
1: well we're still building all that it's it's super brand new you know what I mean we'll be on all the social media platforms and all that again I'm I'm a very strategic calculated guy so by the time it's time to drop it and for it to really like launch Mm. you'll definitely know about it you know what I mean it'll definitely be all the way out there but I want to make sure it's properly done and make sure it's tastefully done again authenticity um, is is at the core of what we do so I'm not even going to misstep that for myself I'm going to be authentic to what we're doing so it needs its time it needs its proper place and, and development but, again, when we get it there, um, the whole world going to know. You know what I mean? We're going to be running our mouths as much as possible. Right now, I just want to sow the seeds for it. I just want people to be aware of it and know that, yeah. you know, we on the way. And that we got some really cool stuff that we're cooking up. And by the time it's it's, it's ready to go, um, I hope everybody's down to support. And, you know what I mean, come out and enjoy some of cool shit that we got cooking. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Sounds
0: good, man. It'll Sounds be out good. there, man. Soon yeah, enough. yeah. This year, sure. matter
1: of fact. Matter of fact, within the next two months, it'll be
0: some really cool things shaking up. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm sure we are. It's on so just going back, um, if you could go back to your 16-year-old self mm-hmm. um, in, in England, that would be when we're going from uh, secondary school, high school, yeah. into college. Mm-hmm. Is that the same here? Or?
1: That's like high school. High yeah, school. Yeah, right there on the it's, curse of like junior year for me. Okay, so
0: when what age do you go from high school to college? About 18, okay. 17, 18, depending on your birthday, but oh, okay. it's usually around, I think it was around like 17 for me. So around, okay, so you're 17, 18. Mm-hmm. If you could go back and speak to Jeron back then, what would yeah. you what advice would you would you give?
1: Uh, you gonna be good, man. You gonna be good. Like don't don't trip, don't stress. Believe in yourself, believe in and have confidence, ultimate confidence in everything that you do and move quick. Don't think too much. Just get mm. it done. You know what I mean? I think my old self was very in my brain, I was always thinking about how can I make it better, and that would paralyze me to a certain extent. Like, I would be always thinking about it and not doing it. So, I would go back and be like, bro, you're going to be fine. You're going you're to find your way. You're going to be doing things that you wouldn't believe that you're going to be able to do, but you got to stay true. You got to stay focused. You got to stay consistent, but you got to stay real, man. You got to just keep pushing and don't ever give up. Don't no matter what you think, dog, just don't give up. Don't quit because there's something right after that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's what I would have to go back and tell myself. It's just keep keep your keep your hustle glasses on, man, and just keep stay focused, you know what I mean? Love that. I wish I could go back in time and talk to myself, <laughs> man. I'm like, "Yeah, I would be so dope right now." <laughs> that's incredible Uh, yeah I wish I could man give me a little DeLorean hop back in the future yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) crazy Um,
0: so where can people find you online Uh,
1: you know what I'm on on Instagram I'm not really that big of a social media person to be honest Um, I need to be but I spend so much time doing shit that I don't really have time to talk about what I'm doing Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah Jeron Jeron underscore Ward J-E-R-O-N underscore W-A-R-D on Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, I'm there, you know what I mean? You'll probably see me check in every once in a while, but just know I'm always working, you know what I mean? That's why I'm not really sharing a whole lot. Sure. Because I'm working a whole lot, you know what I mean? And those things go in opposite directions for me. Um, that's something I got to get I got to get more, like, fluid about, you know what I'm saying? Like, sharing more of what I'm working on, because a lot of people want to know, want to keep up, and that's just what it is, you know what I'm saying? So, but yeah, check me out. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all that good stuff. I got some stuff on YouTube, you know what I mean? More stuff to come, for sure.
0: Definitely. You should definitely release that interview that you was talking about.
1: You know, I, I am. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that out within now I have all this time since I don't I'm not working at Adidas and I let that go. I'm working pretty much exclusively for cnc you know what i mean i have time to really dive into that which is why i made that decision you Dope. know what i mean like time is the the biggest commodity highest most valuable resource that we have mm-hmm. literally the only thing that you can never get back so i need my time you know what i mean so i can share stuff like that i mean the jewels that ray got on that interview bro i watched it with CK the other day we was like man this is like god talking to us through yeah ray murray you know what i mean like he's such a genius man and he's definitely overlooked um to a certain extent and, and sometimes um organized noise as a whole is is definitely um under under undervalued or underrated, whatever you want to call it. But yeah. they're the truth to me, man. Like they are the whole reason why Atlanta from a hip hop perspective is what it is. And if you don't know that then you ain't really from Atlanta and you don't really know what you're talking about. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so they are the core for sure. Um so, you know, I definitely wanna make sure I, I do my part to contribute to their legacy as well too. Absolutely. Yeah, man.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So now you've been through the it's experience. Yeah man who, who would who would you want to hear answer like similar kind of questions?
1: Um that is a really good question. Um I got a couple of homies that I would really like to hear from. What comes to my mind first is my homie KP. It's a random pick. He's probably if he hears this he's going to be like, "Man, why why did you say me?" <laughs> um just cuz I think KP has his name is Kwan Prather. He actually works He's, in my opinion, he's one of the the core legends of Atlanta from a behind the scenes perspective. Um, he was there to weave the thread through Outkast, TLC, Usher, anything oh, wow. that came okay. out through Atlanta in that in that phase. KP was like right there with it. So I would love to hear his insight on his perspective of Atlanta at that time because he was in it. I was a spectator at that time. He was a part of it. You right. know what I'm saying? So I What's think that be, guru with Jay Z. Yeah, exactly. That kind exactly. Of Kinda but well, he wasn't necessarily on the music side. He was more so on like the business oh, okay. uh label and I don't I don't know what label he was working for at the time. He might have even had his own. But um any any time you go back and look at a lot of these old um I don't want to say oh, because homie ain't like oh, oh. You know what I mean? Like, if you look at some of these vintage yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> YouTube clips with, like, uh, Goody Mob or, like, anybody, like, KP is kind of, like, in the picture somewhere. Right. Um, but I would be curious to see his perspective on um, his journey and a lot of the things that he's been through, because I- I've never really heard that from him before. Mm. You know what I mean? So I think he'd be a really interesting person to hear from. Um, somebody else, like, bigger, 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 like, icon level, is for real. I think for real is always somebody that, he's such a calm spirit, you Mm. know what I mean? It's such a calm and kind of reserve. I think he's evolved to that place. I'm pretty sure he was a lot different, you know what I mean, when he was first doing the Neptunes, but I think he just holds a really cool place in the artistic contribution of our lives and the music that him and Chad, never want to leave out Chad because people always act like it was just for real. Chad is the motherfucking
0: Genius. like
1: yeah man people be sleeping on Chad but he's a he's a music behind all of it. Mm, mm-hmm. Pharrell is definitely the visionary the, the vocals and the, and the melodies and, and the voice but none of that happens without Chad man nah. so shout out to Chad Hugo bro yeah. like wherever you at man if you ever hear this <laughs> man I appreciate you dog yeah, like, you, we, you yeah, did so do. much um, but I would say you know what them two together like that would be my dream. The Neptune would be amazing. <laughs> that would man. be my like, dream. I wish I could be a fly on the wall in just like a third of their studio sessions, though. Just to, I won't even say nothing. Just let me just be in the area. You know what I mean? Yeah, let me like, yeah. just soak up the game. Well, funny enough,
0: like around that time um, when they were producing uh, Justin Timberlake's mm-hmm. Justified album, um, wow, album, like I said, I was on the Star Trek forums uh, and someone was selling DVDs of the studio footage. DVDs. Wow. Yeah. Remember those? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and if you know about DVDs, you know. It, You could hold a lot of video footage in them. And I think I had like 8 to 12 hours of fly on the wall video footage. And I sat there and I watched every single bit of it. Wow. Yeah, man. Just because that's what you want to do when you're passionate about something. Mm -hmm. You know, especially Neptunes Mm -hmm. or anyone that you're really inspired by. It's really just looking into exactly how they did it. What keyboards they're using. What sounds they're using. How they went through the songwriting process. Like, yeah. yeah, Bro, I literally spend hours just watching studio
1: footage. Yeah. Just like people in the studio. I try to find as much Quincy Jones stuff that I can mm. find. I've watched almost every Neptune video you can think of yep. that's on YouTube yep. or whatever it may be. Um Genius has some really good like uh deconstructed beat yes. making videos that they have. Yeah. Which is really Timbaland's doing a lot on Instagram oh, lately. Timbo, that's yeah my top that's my top five man. Yeah. He's one of my top five producers for sure man. Of course. Like, I I will like Quincy, uh Timbo, Organized Noise um, who else would I put on there? Neptunes. Definitely Neptunes. That's four. My fifth, I would throw a curveball. i say Just Blaze. Just Blaze is the truth. Mm. A lot of people sleep on, I don't even think people sleep on Just Blaze, but as far as a genius, when it comes to, get, to like putting together beats, and like sampling, dog, like, do you hear what he be doing? <laughs> it's crazy. I'm like, how, bro? And he does it so quick. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his videos. Yeah, like, yeah, I have, you. Yeah. It's like crazy how he's just like, boom, 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 and then voila. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, an honorable mention would be Night Wonder. I, I spent some time in the yes. studio with Night Wonder. And he is a machine Machine when it comes to making beats, mm-hmm. like I saw somebody actually brought him. This is when you know you like the truth, dog. Somebody brought him, like, a pack of vinyls to the studio one day. And it was just like, he's like, man, I can't even show you what this is, Like, just like, my top secret stats. Like, oh, somebody wow. literally hand-delivered him some vinyls. It was at only one time. And he went through and just chopped up. I think I saw him do, like, five beats and maybe, like, Thirty minutes, something like that. It was just like boop, 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 boop boom, bop, boop, boom, bap, boom, bap, done. Next one. Chopped it up. Ba ba boom bap. He's got his all his drums already mapped out. Way. All that shit. Boom. Done. Five. Just like boom, 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 boom. Just out of nowhere. I was like, I was like, wow. <laughs <laughs> I was in there like wow. And I got a chance to jump on one of the songs with him. Mm-hmm. So that was another I got so many weird experiences, man. <laughs> I was T pains personal assistant for a summer. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's random, dog. I did value but, everywhere. Yeah, I I got to go all over the world with him. Went to Greece, went to India, uh, all over the States. It was like a random opportunity wow. that just kind of like fell in my lap out of nowhere. What did you learn from T-Pain? Team. Oh, team. Team. He had a beastie team, dog. His team was very legit um, as mm-hmm. far as like his management, his role manager. Um, and that was my first time really seeing how it worked on a global scale. Um right, T-Pain yeah. is very much a global artist. A lot of people see T-Pain, you already hear this dog. What's happening? <laughs> um Man. but he's very much a global um entity, you know what I'm saying? Like obviously he's popping here in the states, but we went to India and they knew all his songs, bro. Yeah. Like word for word and I don't even know what language is. I'm pretty sure India has very different Yeah, dialects, but different, yeah they different. Yeah. They knew languages. everywhere word, like song word for word and they're like going crazy dancing and same thing in Greece. You know what I'm saying? So he's one of those people who can operate on a very global time frame. And that's another thing I learned is how to function on a global clock. When you flying, we went from like – my first day I went from Atlanta to L.A. No, Atlanta to Vegas. My first time in Vegas was with T-Pain. Went to Vegas. Then we went to L.A., came back to Atlanta. Then went to Vegas again. Then we went to, like, L.A., San Jose, Chicago, New York, Sacramento – And then somewhere else, went back to Atlanta, stayed there for, like, a week, went to New York, and then went to Greece, and then went to India. This is in, like, a month. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So, like, after, like, a certain point of time, like, time becomes irrelevant. Like, that's when you learn that the the world is such a big place. It's not, it's like, we're in our Eastern time zone, but... When you leave here at nine o'clock in the morning and you land and it's nine o'clock in the morning all over again, mm. that shit just doesn't make sense all the way. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you just sleep when you can sleep. It don't it don't have to do with like the time. You just you just go to sleep and you just wake up. It, like I remember we got there in Greece and it was like two in the afternoon and I was tired as hell. So like I went to sleep, but I woke up and it was like six. I'm like, yo, what? I don't even comprehend like what real time it is at this point. Yeah, we left. It was like eight o'clock in the morning in New York. So I have no idea what time it was, but I learned how global teams work how everybody has to be really well connected how communication works on that level with release dates and scheduling all these tours and getting all these people across the country together in the same place on the same flight at the same time it's a lot of moving parts it's not easy man so shout out to Dex he was his uh, tour manager Um, I learned a lot from him real quick just by listening and by watching so that's what I learned with uh, with T-Pain it was a crazy
0: experience it was a lot of fun wow it was crazy had some amazing parties dog (laughs) <laughs> I can imagine yeah <laughs> Cool man well I don't want to Take more of your time But yeah, that was Appreciate you bro Really 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 inspiring I'm yeah, sure man. everyone's Going to get a lot from this I hope yeah. so man You know what I mean Again I just want to Contribute man That's it That's so I'm trying lesson. to contribute Everything, everything every, day, every day man <laughs> <laughs> That's the lesson bro. Bless yeah, man. bro. Appreciate you bro awesome. Appreciate it absolutely, Cheers man.